Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. This isn't even seven grand. All right, my guy wants 85. This is all the money I have in the world. You're a drug dealer. Negotiate. <laughs> you, you are not how I remember you from class. I mean, like, not at all. I gotta go. Wait, wait, hold on. Tell me why you're doing this. Seriously. Why do you do it? Money? Mainly? There you go. Nah, come on. Man, some straight like you, giant stick up his ass, all of a sudden at age, what, 60, he's just gonna break bad? I'm 50. It's weird, is all, okay? It, it doesn't compute. Listen, if you've gone crazy or something, I mean, if you've, if you, if you've gone crazy or depressed, I'm, I'm just saying, that, that's something I need to know about, okay? I mean, that, that affects me. By the time you finish this ad, 1,157 people will have planned their travel on Skyscanner. Skyscanner is here to make travel simple while finding you the best deals. From flights and hotels to car rentals, we bring everything together in one place so you can plan the perfect trip from D.C. and beyond. Discover why over 100 million travelers trust us every month. Search Skyscanner or download the Skyscanner app today. I am awake. <laughs> what? Welcome to Remote Control. This is the GeekCast Radio Network's Remote Control. It's a TV podcast from 2000 to whenever now is, talking TV shows from that time period. I am bringing it to This Week in Geek as well. I am, of course, TFG on Mike. Joining me is Ryan, the even Paul Markley. Hello, sir. Hello. And uh, today we're going to break bad. And, uh, yeah, I... It's going to be a weird episode, folks, because he absolutely loves the series. When I first saw this, I'm like, why? Do, I don't get this. I don't, under, I don't understand why people love this. It's like I'm sitting here watching an, an, an episode of a television show that's supposed to be only 48, 58 minutes long, yet I feel like I'm watching something that's two hours long. 
Um, I I guess I just didn't get Breaking Bad's story, the way that Vince Gilligan told the story originally and things like that. And going back to it, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give this an open, I'm going to be open-minded, give it a fresh look and, and see what's going on. Um, this series ran from 2008 to 2013. Uh, when you first heard about this way back when, were you really excited or were you just in- intrigued by the whole thing? I didn't watch it until uh, probably about halfway through season four. Oh, wow. Uh, I just hadn't heard much about it. I saw the promos and stuff on AMC, mm-hmm. but didn't actually watch it or anything. And then the uh, it was probably around that time I was working at uh, the place I'm working at now, and we have uh, really slow periods, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the late summer slash early fall. And during that period, I had, like, nothing to do, and people kept recommending that I sit down and watch it. So at that point, all of seasons one to three were on Netflix, uh, and then season four would be on Netflix, like, by the time I finished one to three. But it took next to no time for me to blow through it. Yeah, and I'm one of those types of people, and I'm sure people are like this with the stuff that I absolutely love and recommend and can't stop talking about it, but it's just one of those things where if everybody's doing it, I have to go the other way, and I avoid certain things for the longest time. Now, I did try this, I think from when I found, when I, I'd known about the series, obviously, but when I had first gave it a, tried to give it a, the old honest college try was like the weekend of the final season's premiere or the weekend before where they're like, hey, guess what? AMC's going to run 24 hours or 72 hours of Breaking Bad Marathon or whatever the marathon was leading up to season five. And I'm like, all right, well, it's like, like you said, it's on Netflix. I'll watch it. And I got through season one and I just didn't. It it really had no effect on me. Like either way, I, it was it was middle of the road for me. Um, it's one of those things where I'm used to Law and Order type television, where things actually happen at a much quicker pace. Um, that's just whereas I'm, I'm a was... yeah. Whereas I'm a huge fan of long form storytelling, like the. <laughs> The everything wraps up in an hour is really boring to me because it doesn't give you the opportunity to actually tell. It really doesn't give you the opportunity for much in terms of character development or to tell a particularly good story. Like, I like Law and Order. Uh, I've seen every episode of, I think, most of the shows, if not all. And anyway, like something like that, like, okay, fine, you know, it's very throwaway for me, though. Like, there's no individual episode where I go, like, wow, that was really good. And that's one of the problems, is you can't tell a particularly great story in an hour. It's really hard. Well, with Law & Order specifically, it's supposed to be two sides of the law, two sides of government, or whatever you want to call it, in, in an hour's worth of television. So it's supposed to be 30-minute cop, 30-minute courtroom drama, and 
over the years that show in its various incarnations, um, more specifically the SVU uh, incarnation that started in 99 has grown like they've, I think the, I think they're on season 16, 17 or 18 now, whatever, but like season 13 and 14, they had a whole season long story arc and things like that. And it has changed, but with Breaking Bad, because it's it's an AMC show, and AMC, like you said, loves that long-form. And I love long-form storytelling. I just don't want to feel like I'm sitting in front of a two-and-a-half-hour movie for a 48-minute episode of a television show. That's That was my biggest pet peeve about this show going into it. And everyone was like, oh, so much happens, all of this, the character. And going back, and like I said... This time around, I'm trying my best to keep an open mind with it. I'm not, you know, just immediately jumping to the negative. There are things. I took two and a half pages of notes for the first season. Because I took, I, the way I wrote my notes down was episode by episode. We're not going to go through all. See, I originally Aww. thought there was a, I mean, we can. Um, I'm just saying that, um, you know, I originally thought that there was eight episodes in season one. and Seven. Yeah, there's only seven, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and it was severely shortened by the uh, writer's strike. Yeah, that's true. 2008-2009 was not exactly a great um, great moment for um, for television and movies and writers. I mean, just look at Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah, because the other ones that weren't affected by the strike were so well written. They're not. I, I, I don't disagree with that. They're not. No, I know. They all suck, but... Anyway. <laughs> Um, That's another show. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole other can of worms. Uh, so this time around, I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to bring remote control to, I mean, you know, it, it's been on GCRN, but if I'm going to bring it to Twig, we're going to do something interesting and fun and, and talk about a show that, like I said, one of us really, really loves and the other one is kind of, at this point, I'm on the fence with it. I still think, as I was taking my notes, I still think that this show doesn't do enough positive things for me to just absolutely gush all over it. There are certain things I absolutely love about the first season, but there are also a lot of negatives for me too. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this, like knowing what I, having watched the entire thing too, uh, mm. first of all, the first season is way slower than the others because there's a lot of putting characters and things in place for later ones yeah uh so there's a lot of that because like there's a lot of the characters who people love who just aren't in the first season most right. notably you know saul is not in it uh gus fring's not in it yeah. uh we do get tuco who a lot of people like a lot uh, but really only near the uh, end of the season for the last couple episodes really yeah i think he came and... in like around episode four or five or six and then obviously he was in the rest of them yeah he's just not a main character until the last uh, couple really yeah and yeah i mean see another thing is the <laughs> the character development in it like the characters in this show from one episode generally have changed or there's more development to them than entire seasons of a lot of other shows. Right. Which I think is one of the other reasons why it's slower. But the first season, it's 
first season is slower than that. There's a little more comedy in it than before, although part of that's because Jesse's kind of an idiot in the first season. Uh, like, going back and watching him, I love his character arc because he's completely different. Like, they've almost... Uh, one of the things I loved about the finale is if you pay an awful lot of attention to it, in the finale, Walter is in the same colors Jesse was in in the premiere, and Jesse's in the coloring that Walt's in in terms of their clothing and that kind of thing because they've essentially switched roles and Jesse's become like the moral compass and that kind of thing and he's a whole lot smarter than he was at the start but in the first season yeah, he's kind of an idiot I actually found him mildly annoying I by the way, he was gonna. By the way, if the writer strike didn't happen, uh, background info: Jesse was gonna die near the end of the season. Of season one, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, be and the episode and everything was written up. He was gonna die, and it was gonna be part of the what made Walt turn bad, and it would have happened a lot more rapidly than originally happened. Like. In terms of the show, the first time he does something, like, Walter does something really bad is the end of the second season. Yeah. But in this, uh, what was going to happen was Jesse dies and Walt kind of goes nuts. Yeah. And he tortures Tuco uh, very slowly. Uh, although originally it was going to be Crazy 8, he tortured really slowly, but that changed as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jesse was supposed to die at the end of the first season. If, and if there was no writer's strike and they had had ten episodes, he would have. And Aaron I'm, Paul wouldn't have been part of the show. I'm kind of glad that didn't happen because I really like Jesse's character. And speaking of the characters, I want to run down the list of the of, of the cast here. We've got um, Brian Cranston, uh, Malcolm's dad, as Walter White. Uh, Anna Gunn as his wife Skylar, Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman as we said, uh, Dean Norris as Hank Schrader, Betsy Brandt as Marie Schrader, Hank's wife, R.J. Mitty as Walter White Jr., there's uh, Waltz and Skylar's son, uh, and those are pretty much the characters for uh, season one. Like you they're said, the absolute you also main have, characters. Yeah, yeah, the absolute main characters for season one. There are other characters that we will talk about as we go along and do other season reviews for this show, but those are the ones that are, you know, the main. Like, we can't sit here and talk about Gus because he hasn't. He's not in season one. We can't sit no. here and talk about characters that have not shown up yet. But watching watching the first season again too, one thing I'll note and one thing I really like, there's a lot of recurring characters uh -huh. who started out on the show and finish on the show, like as in they finish in season five. Like yeah. uh Hank's partner uh Gomi, Stephen yep. Gomez, uh appears early on in season one and of course he finishes his run in season five. Mm -hmm. Uh not well <laughs> along with everybody else. But anyway, yeah. we've uh, we also first see Gretchen Schwartz, who is a big sort of part of Walt's backstory that's never really explained, which is completely I, deliberate. That was the other thing with season one that I did not, as you know, we'll, we'll get into this, but like the, he, Walt, as he's Walt finds out he has lung cancer, even though he's never smoked a day in his life. Um, I'm not looking up any medical things on lung cancer right now folks but is that friggin pot like 
Oh yeah, it's actually quite common. Okay, because and not only that, but uh, high school chemistry teachers. There have been quite a few over the years. Now, in Walter's case, too, it's because of the work he did Mm -hmm. at Grey Matter as well. He was exposed to chemicals. But the high school chemistry probably didn't help him either. But anyway, yeah, it is fairly common. I'll say this, too. One other thing I really like about the show. uh, Walt's cancer is terminal. Right. And the one thing I really like is, and they discuss this in the writer's room, it is terminal. He does not get better from it. No. And in the end, he largely dies because of it. Right. Uh, it would have been a real disservice to people who have cancer in real life and are diagnosed with terminal cancer in real life if he did, because you generally don't get better. Yeah. And it just it would have been a cheesy kind of TV slap in the face if this guy gets it. I like they didn't go that way. I also like that it gave the show an expiration date. Yep. Like, you know it's not going to last forever, and you know that the main character is going to die. There was no question of that. Yep. And let's face it, I mean, we were... Even though I had huge um, negative opinions about the show when I first saw it and first watched through it, you know... By the end of it, by season five, when I, because I started, you know, like I said, that whole weekend of the marathon and before the season, you know, I started watching season five, you know, as it aired and just because I wanted to find out what the hell happened. And honestly, by season five, I'm like, well, we know Walt's the villain of the piece, even though he is the main character. We know that he is the Lex Luthor of this series to Jesse's um, bizarro Superman or whatever. And, and, and again, we'll get to it later on, but one <laughs> thing I, I need to bring up is one of the things I love about this show is everyone's point for when they decided Walt was the villain is different. Yeah. And Absolutely. I love that, that it's very open. Like, when did you decide, like, okay, this is, guy's not a good person? And every, like I said, everyone's point is different. Mine's later than some other friends I've got. Mm-hmm. You know, other people, it's pretty early on, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, so by the end of season five, you know, by the middle of season five or the beginning of season five, I'm like, okay, well, technically Jesse's not really the the bad guy of the piece, but he's... Not Jesse's really a still good a bad guy. guy. Yeah. No, he he, he yeah. is he is a good he is a He's a good bad guy, but he's not. Yeah. Jesse's actions are not as deplorable. Yeah, he's as... the moral compass of the yeah. show, which is disturbing. <laughs> and, it, and, it's suppo- and it's supposed to be because I mean, yeah. Aaron Paul said like people were interviewing him before the finale, and they said, "What do you think Jesse's fate should be?" And Aaron Paul said like, "Well, he deserves to die. Like he's a murderer. You know, he's dealt drugs all these years. He's destroyed lives. Everything else." You know, he feels bad about it, at least, unlike Walter, but he's still done horrible, horrible things to people. And, and yeah, it's another thing that I kind of like, that there's not, there's really only a couple good characters in the show. And when I say good, sir, I mean alignment good. Yeah. And that's kind of one thing else I want to bring up, and I'm not trying to sound ignorant when I say this, but this is just how I've always felt about certain television shows. If you have a television show where your main supposed protagonist... like, Look, when this series starts, Walt is a good guy. 
he basically, you know, sort of. I well, mean, this, no, when, again, when, like, when it first, yeah. when, the very first episode of season one, he's not. He's a Mr. monster. Stra- <laughs> yeah, he he's Mister Straightlace. He's Mister Awkward kind of chemistry science teacher yeah. at the school. I mean, he's yeah. awkward with his wife. He's awkward with his son. He's awkward with his in-laws. You know, he's not the villain that he becomes yet. And my thing is with this show and with Weeds, I understand parents will do anything for their children, for their, you know, people will do anything for their spouses and things like that. But resorting to the extremes that Walt White and I forget what the female's name is in Weeds, but I forget the character name. Them resorting to selling drugs or producing like I've I just cannot wrap my head around that. That's just a personal thing for me. Like there's got to be another way for you to be it. You know what I mean? I understand it's a storytelling point. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of this, but that's one of the reasons why shows like Breaking Bad, where even though it's a a crime drama, but it revolves around somebody producing and selling drugs. And I just so have never... What about The Shield, though, which you really like? Well, <laughs> Vic, actively deal... Vic actively deals drugs. Yeah. Yes. He murders he... police officers to yes, cover it he up. Does. He does. <laughs> Like, in terms of, you know, evil and everything, at right. least we're introduced to Walt as... Now, we re- we find out later on that uh, what prompted Walt to eventually be Heisenberg was always there. Right. But he's presented, in a positive light at least, Vic shoots a cop in the face in the first episode. The first episode, episode. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like and, we yeah. we know Vic is a bad cop. We know that he will stretch beyond. I get what I'm saying is a television show with a premise of okay, everything's going great for this guy. Finds out he has cancer. The only way for him to get enough money is to go into production and drug dealing. I'm sure there are other ways. It's just, right. you know, and... Walter, Walter finally says it in the fifth season, which made me ecstatic. It's one of my favorite moments of the show. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I was good at it. Yeah. He, yeah. You know, and... he, he definitely had other options. And, I mean, he's offered the money by Gretchen uh, in, the, in this first yeah. season. Yeah. And he refuses it and that kind of thing. So there were definitely other options. It's just he's not a good person, but we don't know that yet. Right. And like I said, I'm not making a big deal out of this. I don't want parents coming out of the woodwork. But And again, this is television. This I know the difference between reality and make-believe. Like, you know how you – and you still see stories like this today, but – when I was a kid, we would always, you know, hear about stuff on the news of some some kid or some person or whatever seeing something in a movie, and then they then go out and, and mimic that, and, you know, Jackass is a perfect example. But, you know, it's just one of those things where, even though this is fiction, I just, maybe it's because I've never experienced it, but, you know... I I just never see a need to go to that extreme 
That's again, just using, my, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and again, this is television. It's fake. It's, it's whatever that's telling a good story. Before we actually get into our episode by episode here, I do want to talk about one of the other characters um, from season one, which is RJ Mitty, I believe is how he says his last name. I could be wrong about yep. it, but basically Walt Jr. Okay. Their son. I was born with a mild case of cerebral palsy. All right. So I knew when I first saw this series that he had, like, obviously you can tell he's, he's a disabled kid. I didn't actually know that it was cerebral palsy because mine is so mild that, yes, my right hand and foot are smaller than my left hand and foot, and yes, they turn in slightly, but I don't need crutches and things like that and whatever else. And what I find interesting is that in some of the cast notes that I've seen that um, in other interviews that uh, Mitty had stated that he had to regress from his therapy to portray the character of Walt Jr., uh, to be able to, you know, slur the speech and learning to walk on the crutches. And so he actually, for this role, he basically sacrificed himself. To so a certain extent, have, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, I'm, I'm saying no, that no, I'm it's... Just, I'm it's, not disagreeing or agreeing. I'm just saying... No, I know, but I, I'm, 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 I'm not... <laughs> I want to make sure I'm, I'm stating. Yeah, I know. I'm, I want to make sure for the audience. I, I'm not saying this is a bad thing that he basically regressed himself or, or you know, kind of you know, gave in to this role up on his. Thir- I'm just like wow, because I like like I said, I knew he was a disabled person. I did not know what the disability was until I actually read up on it, yep. and I'm like, oh hey, that's that's what I have, and you know, I I I just don't think. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's strange to me, but it's it's also interesting in a in a good way. As the, as season one progressed, and it has nothing to do with RJ himself or his disability or anything else, but as season one progressed, I'm kind of glad they kind of dropped him a little bit <laughs> as the seven episodes progressed. Because I think by episode six and seven, we don't see much of RJ as as Walt Jr. Oh yeah, he's a yeah a larger character later on, and yeah. you see more of him again. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean it was intentional. I mean, uh, so again, going back to the shield, mm-hmm. Vic's son has autism, right? And in this, they give Walter a son suffering from uh, cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. The reason for that, of course, is it's a way to try to give the audience at least some sympathy for the character. Mm-hmm. And to explain maybe why they would do it. I mean, we're talking like behind the scenes. Yeah. I really like and appreciate that when they were doing the casting, they tried to find somebody who actually has it rather than making an know, actor pretend. Yeah, yeah, try to I, ca- yeah, yeah, try to cast, you know, somebody to do it. I think that's that was good. Uh, it's also impressive that RG Mitty does a really good job. Mm as an actor he's not given much to do in the first season he's just kind of there and he eats breakfast a lot early on uh, <laughs> yeah which became a recurring joke but yeah it's just yeah I it's mean... another one of those parallels too between this and the shield the shield by the way you mentioned earlier that this was a work of fiction the shield was not uh it was based on the rampart files which is it was a group in LA and a lot of the stuff I shouldn't say all but a good amount of the stuff is actually taken mm. accurately from that so I mean when you're talking about what would people do for their kids and that kind of thing well Vic Mackey was a real person 
Yeah. Uh, and he's a horrible monster in that show. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So and... unfortunately, <laughs> stuff like this does happen. I and I know you said that. So yeah, I mean, I mean, like just, I said, yeah. I it, it's just the whole like. To me, there's a difference here. Okay, so we keep you know we keep bringing up the comparison between Breaking Bad and The Shield. To me, there's a huge difference. You, as I said earlier, you have pretty much Mr. Straight Lace chemistry teacher who used to work for this other company, and that's how he's eventually going to get sick from the lung cancer is because of the experiments and the chemistry and all that stuff from when he was working with gray matter. We don't know that in the beginning. We don't, you know, he gets this. That's my problem with shows like this somebody like in weeds i only know this because i've not seen all that show but i've seen a good amount of the first season to know the main plot her husband dies or something or something happens to where she's left on her own with her kids okay um and as i said a second ago was was dealing drugs your last was that the absolute last resort you you have to come up with money? And again, I know I'm probably sounding like an ass when I say this stuff, but it's just, I don't know. It, it just seems like there has to be a better option. And I know it's TV and it's fake and whatever. Um, the difference I think there between, was. I mean, we even see the better option in this show. Yeah. The difference between Walt... Walt's just, yeah, it's just a... Freaking well, monster. <laughs> the difference between Walt and Vic. Yes, they Walt gets turned into a monster. Vic has been doing this a long ass time in the Shield. Like that introduction of that very first episode of the Shield in two thousand two, where you know he, we know that the strike team is not above board when it comes to police work. We automatically know that. When he's chasing the guy down and he rips his ball sack out quite literally. You know what I mean? We figure, oh crap, these are not good cops. We know that right from the start. With Walt here in Breaking Bad in Season 1, it's a, again, and I'm not complaining about this part of it, but it's a slow character progression and I do like certain parts of that. Um, As I was watching Season 1, Episode 1... Walt is, in the very beginning, in the first episode, he's pretty much a pushover that seems to be beyond depression all the time. Like, I I suffer from depression. So, you know, but Walt just seems like he's not happy with anything in his life, whether it's his, his teaching. In the classroom scenes, the entire season of season one, but in the, just in this, like, he... These students don't give a crap what he's saying to them. No. <laughs> you know? Walt's, Walt's a beaten down man when, yeah. when we're introduced to him. Like, he is, <laughs> you know, his his wife is in charge of Everything. the family. Yeah. Uh, and again, like, that's, uh, just so we're clear, that's not something to be unhappy or ashamed about. But for whatever reason, Walter is. And, of course, that reason is because he's a awful. But anyway... Uh, yeah, we don't know that at the time. And yeah, he doesn't, he hasn't found what he's good at either. He's clearly suffering from that. He has no direction. He has very little going for him. You know, he's an underpaid, you know, 
uh, high school teacher slash car wash operator. Yeah, he's got to take two jobs just because yeah. of everything. Because he's got you know one child and one on the way. Okay, good. Yeah, I couldn't remember if uh, we knew that yet. Yeah, she's pregnant one week. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't notice it like right away, but I think they do specifically say that she is pregnant in the first or second episode. Yeah. So yeah, he doesn't have a lot going for him right now in life, to be honest. Yeah. Um. So as this episode progresses, and I'll I'll give you a chance here in a second to give your thoughts. Um. I I'm liking the attitude change in Walt. Specifically, when he does tell, you know, after he's found out the news of the cancer, um, when he tells his car wash manager off, I, I, I did enjoy that. Um, I did enjoy the way we met Jesse. Yeah, <laughs> he's Captain a, Cook. <laughs> Too bad there aren't any Crunchberries around. That's the first thing I thought of when I heard his nickname, Captain Cook, and I'm like, oh my. God, where's Captain Crunch when you really need him? Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) I do really enjoy the interactions of Walt and Jesse when they first meet. Like, oh, Mr. White, you used to be my teacher and and, and all that. I think that's really cool. Um, uh, the, uh, The scene in this episode where they're in the store... Where all the families in the store and Walt Jr. is trying on the pants, and those guys are making, like, I don't know of any store that is that low key that doesn't have security, even in New Mexico of all places, that Walt could just walk into the back and walk out the back door and <laughs> walk around. Like, I'm I'm nitpicking here about that part, but I do absolutely love that part where he does go out the back, comes back in the front, and basically just, you know destroys these guys that are making fun of his son. So I very much appreciate that. Um, What are your thoughts up to this point of this episode uh, before we get into the whole drugs and, you know, process and all that? Which is amazing. Oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, we'll Uh, talk about that a bit. (laughs) What can I say? I just love drugs. No, um, so... (laughs) Uh, I mean, the first thing I notice when I rewatch this now is it's a lot slower and it's different in terms of it feels really different. And a lot of that is because the people working on it, they were all trying to, especially with the pilot, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out just what the feel of the show, the characters and everything else is at this point. And yeah, just I don't know. It's. There's something about this first season. It's just everything just feels like set up, and that's because it really is. And I agree that, yeah, when we first meet Jesse, that's kind of funny. Jesse's, I don't know, Jesse's an idiot. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesse's uh, character has... He's got a, the RV, yeah. Yeah, Jesse's, well, they don't have the RV yet. They When we first meet him, they don't have the RV yet, Um He's got his house, and he's got this partner that gets yeah, it's there. Yeah, it's the lab of uh, Crazy Eight, and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and Jesse was in the next house over, uh, yeah. basically climbing out the window, and you know, because he was diddling the the neighbor's wife or whatever. Um, I, I absolutely love Jesse's character throughout this season, and the whole process of Walt doing creating the crystal meth. 
I think is really cool. Not that drugs are bad, folks. We know drugs are bad. But just seeing his approach to how pure he wants it to be, how clean he wants it to most of the time when you see drug busts and things like that on the news, it's really, really dirty. No one takes the precautions that this, you know, cancer-ridden chemistry teacher is taking. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it's the first sign we should have had that something's up with him and the cooking. That yeah, he really wants it to be clean, that kind of thing. And I think it's because part of him has kind of discovered the, or discovering what he's good at. You know, everybody, I think, oh, I'm trying to remember, Vince Gilligan, I think, in an interview, mm -hmm. talked about it, that everybody's got a talent. There's something that they're good at, or there's something that they enjoy. Walter's just happens to be completely illegal. <laughs> yeah. But there are people like that. Like, there yeah. are people who are really good at growing yeah. things that they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what do you do if your talent just, just happens to be something that's completely illegal? Um, yeah, I embrace it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know either. I right? mean, because I, I don't think either one of us have any talents that just happen to be illegal. <laughs> well, I'm actually the Punisher, but you know. Uh, try to keep it on the down low. You're the, you know, <laughs> you're the Canadian version, so that would make you Captain Canada. <laughs> No, it's Captain Canuck is the character. Whatever. Anyway. anyway uh, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of setup in this, though, and it's yeah. still enjoyable. I'll, you know, I'll heck with it. I'm going to ruin the ending to this, but overall... Well, yeah, we're we're going to get to like, the ending, yeah. No, but, I mean, overall, if I were going to rate, like, the season or something, it's kind of like a 7 out of 10. Like, mm -hmm. it's not there. There's entertaining things. The show didn't... I wanted to know what happened next, but the show didn't grab me. Yeah. Uh, so I was curious because the premise is really intriguing to me and really different because it's not something obviously I would fathom doing. Right. So seeing somebody who does, even though you know it's a television show, it was interesting to me. The way that they, t the way that the pilot, the way that episode one is set up, the way the the pilot is set up is. They do this whole, and this is something I absolutely hate, and I hope they don't do it very often. I know season two, when we get to that, they do it throughout the whole season because it starts with an event that we don't yet know why the event is like that, and then we don't find out until the very end of season two why that very first episode of season two was the way that it was. But I was hoping season one would move past the, okay, this is what's happening now, and then they hit the Breaking Bad small you know title sequence thing and then they're like oh tw 12 hours earlier three days earlier three weeks er i was hoping they would not keep doing that over and over and over again um and this pilot episode is the first time that they really do that and i didn't mind it here because it's basically walt telling his family the story of what but I found the ending with Walt and Jesse specifically that part of the ending of the first episode. I find it, I find it sadly anticlimactic because it was just the fire department because of the fire that got started. <laughs> like Walt's expecting the police and he's expecting a shootout, and then oh hey whoops you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know, and I, I I've known plenty of people in law enforcement and medical and fire and all that i don't know of any firemen that would just 
even though they have to get to a fire, if they see a bus or RV on the side of the road and a guy that's pretty much in nothing but his underwear, somebody would stop and say something. I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. This, you know, I'm not sure either. Uh, getting to the end, the very end of sea, of um, of episode. Fireman, right in. Going, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, getting to the very last part of episode one, going into episode two. Um, alrighty then. That was a you know, oh my goodness kind of moment. The ending to that. Uh, holy crap! With Walt and his wife. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, Walt, uh, you, you had a, somewhat of a large character turn between the end of the first episode and the beginning of the second. Oh, well, he's starting uh, to assert, uh, mm. himself and yeah, the, uh, I mean, the drug dealing makes him feel alive as something that he, you know, talks about way later on in the show, yeah. finally. And, yeah, it's just the dealing and everything was a way for him to assert himself and have control over his life. He, I think he's just always felt that he didn't have control over anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as episode two comes in and we pretty much pick up where episode one left off and... Um, this episode two, you know, we've got the two guys who they tried to kill and who Walt tried to kill in the RV with the, the phosphorus gas didn't really work because one of them is still alive. Crazy eight. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy eight still alive. Um, two scenes. And I, I will continue to say this throughout this first season, the two scenes that absolutely bore me to tears. Anytime Walt's in the classroom and the breakfast scenes, cause they're just so awkward his students don't give a shit about what he's saying. And to the most part, as far as I can tell, when Walt tries to be engaging with Skyler and Walt Jr., it falls flat. It falls so flat. Maybe it was supposed to do that? I don't it know. It is, yeah. Okay. Because um, uh... in a lot of ways, Walt's not there. Much like the... Uh, much like the students in his class, he's somewhere mm. else at that point. Yeah. And I think it's meant to... Well, no, I think. It's meant to sort of parallel itself that... Right, yeah. These two things are going on. <sighs> and I do enjoy uh, the story building. Um, I think that is great. And as I've said before, uh, when I first started this episode here of the podcast, where it's like... I've always been the type that loves the fast action and story mixed in throughout the action. And the action in this is good, but the action scenes sometimes are too few and far between. And I know this is only the second episode, but um, as we go along here, uh, Skylar starts, because um, Jesse calls the house, calls yeah. the house, and that <laughs> makes her... Suspicious, so she does a reverse look up, which not a lot of people can do that. I mean, I'm sure everyone can, but not a lot of people would. So she does the, of of all things, the first thing she does after uh, Walt leaves and hangs up the phone because Jesse had called, she stars 69's him. Okay, this series took place, started taking place in 2008. Do we still have star 69 uh, nine years ago? <laughs> 
<laughs> like I just I, I figured that was like beyond like we all have caller ID now. You know, even back in two thousand eight we had caller ID. But anyway, um so it was a nice little throwback throwback and so she finds Jesse's website and I find it very hard to believe that she has led such a sheltered life that she doesn't know what a MILF is. <laughs> Uh, you'd be I really surprised. Was, yeah, I know, but I, I just, uh... let's just say I had that conversation like recently. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely, trust me, it happens. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I thought that was hilarious. Um, uh, I, as, as this as this episode progresses, by the time uh, Skylar confronts Jesse about Walt about him selling weed to Walt, because that was the excuse that Walt gave her as to why he was con. Somehow, I I don't know if it's Anna Gunn or if it's the way the character is supposed to be. I just don't buy her acting at all when she's confronting Jesse. I don't know what it is, but Skylar is not one of my favorite characters to this point in the season. I don't know. Yeah, like uh, Skylar gets a lot of undue and and a gun get a lot of undue or unwarranted hate, but I don't think she's supposed to be likable in that first season. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, later on, she's yeah, well, she's one of the few like good characters. Although later on, she becomes complicit in everything. Yeah. So, but yeah, like uh, I'm just saying because yeah. the whole first season, her. Again, going back to where Walt was super rigid and and straight-laced and kind of thing. And we don't really get a whole lot of... Okay, Skylar is a wife and a mother and expectant mother. And she's not working because she's pregnant. She's, what, six or seven months or however the heck heck long she she is in in this first season. You know, I get that. I understand that. But it's just one of those things where... I don't see how these two people are married to each other. I, I don't see any chemistry between Walt and Skylar at all. But there's lots of chemistry in the show. Oh, sorry. Anyway. In um, the show. I'm saying <laughs> between the two of them, Mr. Mister jokes a lot. I'm saying there's no, like, is there, like, the ending scene of the first episode going into this one, she's like super shocked because obviously Walt, as you said, is asserting himself. And... This part has been edited. Ha ha ha. You'll never know what was actually here. <laughs> what were you thinking with episode two? Uh, I'm happy that they kept uh, crazy eight alive. Cause well, that's a bigger story later on. Yeah. Crazy. They kept eight... him alive for now. Yeah, for the well, for the record, uh, he was supposed to have died at the end of the first episode, but they liked the actor, mm-hmm. uh, and in in real life, and they kept trying to figure out like, well, how can we bring him back? Which, by the way, is also why he shows up on Better Call Saul, because uh, uh... of course he was alive back then. Um, but anyway, uh, the second episode is a little more solid. There's still more. Uh, I'm. <laughs> There's still comedy in it and still a lot of dark comedy, uh, such as 
one of my absolute favorite moments from the entire show, of course, is Jesse using the hydrofluoric acid in the bathtub <laughs> and destroying like a portion of his house. No uh, acid in the bathtub, you moron. Yeah, he was. Well, that was he, my note. Well, he ignored. Yeah, he ignored Walt telling him to use a plastic bin to like melt him slowly. By the way, this was like the first instance of them melting a corpse or something down, which is something they do a lot in the in the yeah. as the show progresses. Uh, yeah, that poor house, and oh god. Jesse's house. You ain't seeing the basement, bitch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's much later. <laughs> um, yeah, and then of course at the end of the episode, the uh, the kid has to find the leftover uh, gas. I just called it a gas mask, but it's you know it's similar to that. Um, after this second episode, I was still on the fence with whether I was going to go positive or negative. That's the thing. Like I see a lot of negative for me coming out of this show, but I do see the various positive bits, but somehow my disbelief (laughs) cannot be suspended so much to believe some of the stuff that happens in the show. (laughs) Um, Going into episode three here, uh, this one I didn't enjoy. The Walt and Jesse dynamic, it it does get a a bit heated, obviously. Um, Walt and Skyler are at odds with each other. Um, uh, And then they try, this is what I don't like about this one. They try to work in the whole thing. Because apparently Marie, who is Skyler's sister and... She's the character of Marie specifically is just a dunce. When Skylar was telling her that, oh, Walt this, Walt that, Walt smoking weed, she thought it was the kid. So she sends Hank out to have a talk with Walt Jr. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> I know. I thought I thought the whole talk. I thought Walt. I thought Hank taking Walt Jr. to the motel and the talk. Yeah, and, a... <laughs> I thought that part was great. But the fact that it came out of confusion because Marie didn't understand what the hell Skylar was talking about, that she was talking about Walt Sr., not Jr. Uh, In her defense, which one would you believe knowing what you know about Walt Sr. versus Jr.? Like to Marie, Walt's still the straight-laced, super tight you know, she hasn't seen any of the changes or anything. So, I mean, I think the inclination would be to believe that it's Walt Jr. as well. Yeah, that's true. I have a huge issue with that. I thought it made for some funny scenes. I loved a lot of the season, scenes in this, too. Like, uh, one of my favorites was the stuff with Crazy 8, where Crazy 8 tells the story about the uh, crib and, like, uh, what his dad does and that kind of thing mm. where you feel really sympathetic with him and that kind of thing. And then yeah. Walt realizes that he stole the piece of a broken plate mm-hmm. <laughs> and is planning to kill him with it. Yeah. Which I really liked. And then of course, yeah, we get the uh, first close up. Cause I mean, Walt killed the other one with poison originally, yeah. but this is the first time Walter actively kills somebody and to a certain extent, uh, it was self-defense. Yeah. Chokes him to death with a bike lock. Um, 
which you know i'm sure that's a good way to do it but yeah absolutely haven't tried it yet so ah. well uh, do we even know anybody that we would do that to because i i yeah i don't know um so next the... on next on uh <laughs> remote control <laughs> Or God. yeah, or we uh, have Birdman uh, guest star. No, anyway. Oh Lord, please no, no, no Dodd jokes today. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, what I liked by the end of this one is that Walt and Jesse, at this point, seem to be on slightly different paths. Yet I know that obviously those paths are going to converge. What I also liked about this was how Walt is making the list before he kills Crazy 8, before he has to kill Crazy 8. And yes, even though Jesse did his part of the coin flip incorrectly with the whole acid bath thing, the fact that Walt struggles with even making a choice, that was interesting to me. I thought that was really interesting because he's got all these reasons why he shouldn't kill him, and then he's got the one reason why he should. Because if he doesn't, the guy will come after his family and, and all that. Um, and then by the end of this one, we have Walt, who is ready to tell Skyler that he has cancer, which I, again, I was not watching this when it was airing, so it must have been agonizing for people that did, waiting a week <laughs> to find out what the hell happened, or what the hell was going to happen. Yeah. And then he just tells everybody a barbecue in the next episode. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we finished next episode. No, anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, episode four is kind of, it's not fast, but it's not slow either. It's its a middle ground kind of thing, um, you know. Yeah, well, part of it, too, is I don't think they, well, not I don't think, I know. Uh, they didn't know what to do with Jesse and his family. So this is the, also the episode where he goes home and, his brother is he's, he's got a younger brother who his parents you know care about and mm-hmm. is good at everything unlike Jesse yeah and Jesse ends up covering for him et cetera et cetera I uh yeah <laughs> that was I a mean, little like I I wasn't sure I was like am I watching the same friggin TV show like it, it again it we left off with Walt having to, you know, go into the bedroom and, you know, basically the, how episode three ended was, Skyler, we need to talk or I have something to tell you or whatever else. And then we kind of start episode four with Jesse running from, because Crazy Eight had gotten out by that point or something or other. No, Crazy Eight's um, dead. Is he dead? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. it's, that's, Walt's that's, already that's, uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, that's right. That's right. Um, so... You know, but, but Jesse goes to his family's, his I assume rich family's house. Because, the, but the way this this opens is like we don't know who these people are until we hear a noise in the backyard and we find out it's Jesse's parents and his younger brother. And I'm like, well, I'm all for character development for Jesse. Do we really need to introduce the family this soon? Uh, to be fair, he thought he was going to get killed because he was hallucinating because he was high on meth. So. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, I don't know. I like that. We also, uh, I, 
uh, I liked that first bit because I thought it was funny that he's paranoid about he thinks the Evangelion uh, or evangelists there we go mm-hmm. coming to his door are bikers there to kill him yeah. um, but in again this is going to be real life stuff that affected the show so essentially uh, to be blunt Jesse's parents were not the best most available actors <laughs> Uh, and so they basically got written out so anything you know any bigger role they were supposed to play or be in it or anything like that is gone at that point but they didn't know it during filming it was when it was done and you can't really like just throw out those scenes and refilm it when you're doing a week-to-week show yeah or sorry fill that time with something else so yeah, it almost becomes it's sort of a throwaway. There's some I mean, obviously it affects Jesse that his brother is kind of the favorite and his mm-hmm. brother's good every at everything and he's not. So there's character development in there. It's just the parents are kind of wasted characters. We never see the brother again, if I remember right. Uh so yeah, just yeah, that I... kind of fell flat. Uh, What didn't fall flat for me, too, is this is the introduction of Ken Wins. (laughs) That was Uh, awesome. Yeah, and scenes with with Walt and him, that was outstanding. That was the best part of this episode. For anyone who watches uh, Better Call Saul, uh, Saul and his girlfriend take advantage of poor Ken (laughs) in that show and (laughs) take him to the cleaners for a whole ton of money as well like they brought the character back just for that which i think is pretty funny did, did they bring the bmw back too <laughs> uh he, they don't show his car uh, <laughs> but i mean he would have had it at that point like it I still would have been would have been the same car because that takes place bef- well before bef- breaking well back, before but, this yeah yeah but anyway yeah that was i yeah. good the stuff with uh i'll say this too the stuff with walt jr i liked Mm-hmm. Uh, where basically he tells him, like, why don't you just die already? Like, you know, if you're going to give up. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I did like that. Uh, yeah, when when Walt Jr.'s there and he's actually interacting with the family, because this they have the family meeting about the... Because after, after they do the... Um, the, uh, the barbecue thing in the very beginning, they, they kind of have a family meeting and... We need a talking pillow and blah, 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 whatever. But yeah. I do really enjoy when Walt Jr. is interacting as part of the family. What I, and I don't know how often this is going to happen in the future because I don't remember. Um, what I don't enjoy is them putting him into situations like when he was in the store, even though his father stood up for him. Because, like I said... I also have a mild case of cerebral palsy, and I've been made fun of all my life. Obviously, not in a long time, but when I was a kid, a young kid, like first grade to seventh grade, I was made fun of all the time. So I know exactly where that care. You know, I sympathize with Walt Jr. when it comes to the whole disability thing. And what makes me most happy is when they are writing him to actually be a positive force, even though he's saying negative shit to Walter. Sometimes saying something negative to somebody will drive them to be better, a better person. You know, why are you giving? Why are you just going to give up? Why don't you know? If you're not going to try, why don't you just go ahead and die? you know? I mean, yeah, that's a very negative thing to say to your dad, but it's like, 
if it looks like to you as the child that your parent is giving up on themselves and giving up on the family, then yeah, you're going to tell them off. I mean, my favorite scene with him in the run of the entire show is when he really asserts himself in the second, second last, yeah. Second last episode of the entire series, Mm -hmm. uh, where he absolutely tells Walt off. Yeah. Uh, deservedly so since, you know, (laughs) Walter's destroyed the family and basically everybody's life forever. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think he's, uh, I don't know, as it runs on, he asserts himself more and more. He tries to do nice things for his dad, uh, cause he doesn't know his dad's a horrible human being, but yeah. Oops. Well, we, we kind of, anybody that's seen the series before kind of knows, I mean, there really are, you know, this series ended four years ago. So if you people haven't seen it, <laughs> then, <laughs> Um, episode five, uh, is where the actual intervention thing comes up that I mentioned earlier. Um, we meet Elliot and Gretchen, which again, Walt had had some sort of flashback to yep. teaching Gretchen or working at gray matter or whatever. he was involved with her and right. he broke it off. We like, we learned this through the episode and through this season. Right. Uh, Yeah. And just, we don't, we never find out specifically what happened. Walt mm-hmm. feels like they took advantage of him. But of course, as we learn in this show, Walter's memory of how things happened is questionable at best. Because he's not, <laughs> well, it's true, because he's not a, you know, he's not a good person and he tends to remember himself. And he views everything he does in a more positive light, which obviously he has to to do the horrible things he does. He doesn't see himself as the villain, and most good villains don't, but, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You know, you either, die, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, and, you know, that's kind of Walt at this point. <laughs> Sorry, bad Harvey Dent joke from Dark Knight. Um, I it, With episode five, the intervention was probably the most emotion I've seen out of the entire family to this point. I very much enjoyed that. Um, I've never really been one for talking pillows or talking sticks or whatever, but, you know. Because family meetings are always going to end up in shouting matches, no matter who's, you know. (sighs) Yeah, and I mean, the family all argue. Uh, In the end, Walt goes against getting the treatment, whereas... Uh, Marie and Hank feel like he should have the choice. Obviously, his family wants him to get the treatment, period. Yeah. Uh, we also, in, in episode five, we have uh, our Walter Jr. trying to buy beer. Yep. That was... That's an know. important part of every child's uh, life to go through trying to buy beer when you're not supposed to or getting your friends to. Yeah, see. And Thankfully, uh, I never had that problem. Cuz for me the beer was already bought. <laughs> well, see then you sent somebody else for it, but Oh no. Walt so Jr. I, I... couldn't get you know, Walt Jr. couldn't get his family to do it. I mean, yeah, his yeah. dad's busy cooking meth and well, <laughs> actually that's the end of the episode where yeah. uh Walt 
decides he will go through the, the process. Uh, will go through the process. What he doesn't do is uh, he lies to everybody and he doesn't take the check from Gretchen and yeah, yeah and then yeah. he just goes and visits Jesse to cook some more meth. But anyway, yeah. uh, poor Walt Jr. can't get his dad to buy the beer or anything, so you know, well, gonna try you know, it on his own. Nobody's it, gonna card. Nobody's going to hurt the poor kid with a disability. Uh, well, the funny thing is, like I said, you know, and I've told this, I don't, for any Twig listeners, I don't think I've told this story on Twig, but um, when I was six years old, my my dad, not my dad, my grandfather my and my three uncles were all, they're all fishermen, they're all in construction and everything else, and we would always go fishing, and you know, I would just go to hang out, and my uncle Robert, who was, was, and probably still is one of the uh, biggest functioning alcoholics I know, um, he, at with me at six years old, tricked me into drinking a Michelob, and that was not so. Yeah, no, trust me, I, I didn't need to worry about you know being a teenager and trying to buy beer. I already had had it by the time. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> poor, well, poor Walt Jr. ends up uh, approaching a cop to uh, uh-huh. buy him beer, unfortunately. Yeah. This was a, I mean, uh, it was an important episode where a fair amount happens. Mm-hmm. And we get a hint of Walt's backstory, but... Yeah, we get a hint with Gretchen and all that and, and everything else, but not too, too much. I'm okay that they never specifically revealed that, although, yeah, you know, we get, yeah, I'm all right that we don't see that part of his life. Also, it would yeah. have been hard to do because, I mean, it was years ago and then you got to get, you know, makeup. Everybody's got to look younger, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, eh. yeah. Uh, we only um, get a little bit of Jesse in this episode, but I mean, it's. A decent amount happens, at least, in, or at least there are important events, but not a whole lot happens. I think is what I'm trying to say is that, yeah. In the end, I mean, Walt, you know, doesn't take any money. He's not going to be able to cover it with insurance, and decides to cook. This was basically an episode to show why he's decided to cook the meth. Yeah. At this point, it's still under the guise of, you know, I'm doing it for my family. Right. Absolutely. Not, I like cooking meth and I'm evil. <laughs> yeah, that comes way and later, it's folks. good money. <laughs> yeah, the, I like to cook meth and I'm evil part comes way later, folks. <laughs> um, but I like how he approaches Jesse again. I, I like the storytelling of, the, of Jesse saying, oh, I had a partner and, you know, we kind of had a falling out kind of thing and whatever else. And I like the fact that we don't... We see the falling out, obviously, over the acid bath and, and everything else, but we don't really see the linchpin to it, and I enjoyed that part of it. Um, by the time episode six happens, um, we get to the point of uh, where Walt will cook it, Jesse will sell it. Um, you know, obviously, Jesse in this episode finds out that Walt has cancer. Uh, now, did they mention in the very beginning that Jesse's house was his aunt's, or it was it was a family member's? It was his, his grandparents. It was grandparents. Okay. Yeah. Because he had mentioned once he found out uh, about Walt's cancer, he was talking about how his aunt had had cancer and that kind of thing. 
So we're getting a little bit more about Jesse's backstory, and I enjoy that. Um, uh, throughout this episode, episode six, uh, Walt demands that Jesse find a new distributor, someone who can handle larger quantities because Walter wants more money. Um, and enter I, Tuco. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we yeah enter Tuco. Um, I almost wish the school scenes would not happen anymore because they're just too friggin' weird. They're, they're... Well, there's some important ones in this one, right? Because, I mean, mm. uh, Hank is on the... As of a couple episodes, Hank is on the trail of this blue New... meth uh, yeah. making scoundrel and finds out that some of the stuff came that was used to cook it was came from Walter's school. Right. And in this case, yeah, they take inventory, they find stuff that's missing, and in the end, they arrest the school janitor in this. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is the first time, too, that Walt lets somebody else take the fall for his, for what he's doing. Yeah, that's probably not going to be the last time either. No, it's definitely not. But I mean, it's the first time. <laughs> it's the first time somebody other than a drug dealer gets. Mm-hmm has something bad happen to them because of Walter. Although having said that, I mean, the reason they bust the janitor is he's got a record for uh, drug possession as well. So, I mean, you know, I don't think that necessarily makes him evil, but no, it's not, he wasn't completely clean either, but I mean, he might've been trying to do better and be clean and everything else though. And, you know, Walter kind of ruins his life. So, (laughs) That's a, yeah, that's the first time I remember specifically that he did something bad that affects somebody who's not involved whatsoever with his business and everything else. That was the one thing I also liked. I don't think it was in this episode. I think it was in the episode where, or it might have been in this one. Um, or it might, no, I, th- I think it was earlier. It was when he first approached, Walt first approaches Jesse to cook. Um, it was right after, you know... Yeah, it was like the pilot where where Jesse's like, you know, I always knew you as this straight-laced kind of guy. Now you're going to go and break bad or, you know, I just I love that whole term of break bad. I think that's just really really interesting. I, and by episode 6 of season 1, I think this might be my favorite episode of the season yes. because of how far we are shown that Walt's character's new attitude has taken him to the like in the last five episodes we've seen Walt change and change and change by this episode he has a whole new attitude and an outlook and he creates the... he physically changes too because he shaves off what yeah. what's left of his hair and we get the bald version of him not to mention he has to come up with a name on the spot and he chooses Heisenberg yep I think my favorite line, and I wish this would have happened in real life, I think my favorite line after he shaves his head, he goes to Jesse and, you know, he's like, you want to cook? Who are you, Lex Luthor? Yeah, we we don't need no Jesse Eisenberg in the BS that is BVS. We deserved Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor. Damn. Yeah, which originally most people thought he was cast as. That would have been great. Anyway. anyway. Um, 
<laughs> we get yeah, and this was the episode too. This was my favorite episode of the season as well. And we get the scene that I think a lot of people replay in their heads, and you see on commercials and stuff for the show as well, which is this was when we get the uh, he confronts Tuco for beating the crap out of Jesse. Mm-hmm. And he demands the money for the meth that was stolen and money to for Jesse's uh, for Jesse, yeah, to Jesse to recover, yeah, and pain and suffering. That's what he uh, said. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, that was great. So anyway, yeah, Walt throws the fulminated mercury that like destroys a chunk of the. Oh, that was so fun. Building and uh, afterwards too, we see Walt hyperventilate but he's also yelling in satisfaction with himself Mm -hmm. Uh, he enjoyed that Uh, it was great for him to cut loose I think Mm -hmm. and yeah this was the first really good episode of the series yeah and yeah it's just the whole episode too was a uh, reference to Cool Hand Luke Mm. which is Yeah, you've got two options, uh, Give Up or Bluff. Walter Bluff's in this episode. The name of the episode is Crazy Handful of Nothing, which is a Cool Hand Luke reference. So, Right, yeah. That's another thing I love about the show, by the way. The see, the titles and everything for the episodes are wonderful. And, yeah, always, and always point to something, like Cats in the Bag and the Bags in the River. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Or, you know, Cancer Man, obviously, that's when they revealed that. And then well, that's because, seven. yeah, Vince worked on X-Files. Vince was one of oh, the writers on X-Files, and it's a reference that's... to Cancer Man, the character. Uh, that's right. Uh, that's, so, that's right. yeah, he was the... Basically, when you watch a really good episode of X-Files, Vince Gilligan probably wrote it. <laughs> yeah. uh, not to mention it's where he first worked with Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul, so... Um, and then obviously the last episode, a no rough stuff type of deal, uh, which is, uh, the season finale for this, uh, this first season. Uh, in this one, as I mentioned earlier, we have no, but by the end of the season in this last episode, there's no Hank or Walt Jr., which I kind of like, I know Walt, I know the characters both come back obviously, but I kind of like that this last episode we're now solely focusing on what Jesse and Walt are doing with making the crystal and selling the crystal. I think that's awesome. Um, the one thing I did not like about this episode, about episode 7, as I mentioned earlier, Skylar and and Marie's, you know, Anna and Betsy's acting in the store when she confronts her about the shoplifting thing. That just felt really forced to me. Huh, I don't know. I liked uh, Anna Gunn as an actress. I thought everybody in this series was well acted. Uh, the thing with Marie is they tried all of these different things to give her some more personality slash something to do. And we get the shoplifting and we get other stuff as it goes on. And it just kind of peters out because <laughs> they didn't mm-hmm. know what to do with it. <laughs> I mean, the series is not perfect, and the writing was not perfect. Yeah. I mean, they were trying to... It's the same with, um, you know, one of the reasons Hank does... Yeah, he does appear in this episode, but, I mean, 
they struggled to find stuff for Hank to do that didn't revolve around the main crux of yeah. the show, which is Walt and Jesse. Now, having said that, like Hank's a good character. He and, is, yes. and when they and when they give him good stuff to do, it works really well. But the good stuff to do pretty much all revolves around Walt and Jesse because it's the main portion of the show. Right. Like I love that he gets caught in the crossfire and ends up in the hospital later on. And I yeah. liked, I liked all of the stuff where he's on the trail of this Heisenberg, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, when they tried to alternate plot lines with him or his wife and try to add all this other stuff it didn't always work it and frequently because yeah and the reason why i think it didn't is because nobody if this is a show about walt's character change and and showing jesse's character as these drug dealers as these suppliers as these meth cookers sometimes you don't need a soap opera ish type side story. You don't need that, but you definitely needed the people around them. Uh, right. Because no, you need, you need, yeah. to, you need to show the effects that all of this has on other people. But yeah, I think they tried to fill up the rest of the time by giving them, they felt like they needed to give these people something else to do or they needed like a C plot or something to the show. The, issue is that they didn't i think it took them time to realize that yeah. so again getting ahead but i mean there's two the episodes a- of this show that i gave a perfect score mm-hmm. i couldn't find anything wrong with the entire episode mm-hmm. and i don't think it's a coincidence that they really focused on the main characters the two episodes are uh face off which is the fourth season finale Mm-hmm. And the other one is the second last episode of the series, Ozymandias. Mm-hmm. And I mean, both of those... Now, Ozymandias, there's an awful lot of stuff involving Fallout from yeah. what Walter's been doing. I mean, it's the second last episode of the show. Yeah. But I don't think it's a coincidence that there was no like C or D plot. It was all about everything Walt and Jesse had done up to those points with both those episodes. Right. And those are the two that... Uh, I have always maintained there's no such thing as a perfect game, perfect movie, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, These two episodes ruined me. That's basically why I don't review television at all anymore. Because <laughs> I finally had to give out a perfect score, and then I did it twice. And I was miserable afterwards. I watched those episodes trying to find something wrong with them so many times. It drove me crazy. <laughs> Well, it's going to hey, drive you crazy again because we're going to be doing episodes on all five seasons. So, <laughs> oh, I know, but yeah. Because if I if I'm going to dive in and do this once, even if people don't like it, I'm trying my like I said at the very beginning of this podcast, I'm trying my best to go back into this series to explore why people say it's so good and see if I find it to also be that good. Um, so, but I mean, when people remember it and. As an example, people remember the stuff with Walt and Jesse. Yeah. And like you're t- whenever you talk about it too, most of the stuff you enjoy is the Walt and Jesse stuff as well. Absolutely. So I think I think people's memories is part of it too, and I'm guilty of that as well that I, you know, I forget the shoplifting in a store scenes 
you know, shoplifting the Tierra scenes, I just forget them when I'm thinking about the show or how good it is. It's the same with anything else, right? I mean, when you watch the 90s X-Men or you talk about 90s X-Men comics, you remember all the cool storylines and the good moments. You don't remember all the crap storylines and the bad stuff. Yeah. Especially comic books are super guilty of that. I'll tell people like I'll tell people like oh this comic is great it's perfect and then they'll get to an issue that was complete absolute crap and I'll go I don't remember that (laughs) what the Shi'ar came to Earth and had a vacation I don't remember that happening what (laughs) Uh, that's okay that's a whole topic for another podcast because that series should have ended at four seasons not five oh the X Men animated show yeah huh. Oh god, yeah, we could go into and uh, and that's then they and then when they changed other. the animation too. Oh. Yeah, it's a whole other Anyway. <laughs> that's what another found, show. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast, folks. So as I'm looking through season 1 and 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 some of the notes and things on, you know, a certain website that everyone hates, Wikipedia, but Dave Porter was the original composer. Uh, show also uses music from other recording artists with music supervision by Thomas Galubic. I probably pronounced that horribly. And the first thing I thought of before actually looking it up on iTunes or wherever, I'm like, ooh, Lowland Records ought to release a score for Breaking Bad. Look it up on iTunes. There are three different yep. albums for Breaking Bad. Yeah, you got to find uh, Porter. Oh. I can't remember how I've got the CDs kicking around here. I should have grabbed mm-hmm. them beforehand, but anyway, um, yeah. First of all, the soundtrack for the show is great. I love uh, the montage stuff, which we don't really see in the first season, but the montage stuff later on, where they use mm-hmm. licensed music and show passage of time, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, which is what a montage is. I don't know why I bothered saying that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I love that stuff. And Dave Porter's work on this music or on the sorry, Dave Porter's music on the show. There we go. Mm-hmm. Was really good because it's minimalist. Like mm-hmm. you almost don't notice it's there. He's not afraid to just kind of get out of the way of the show. Right. Which to use something like to use a show you really like one of my some of my favorite stuff in Batman Beyond <laughs> was when they literally would just cut out the score completely, like the stuff with Shriek where it's silent and they just use noise. Yeah, the that ability, was awesome. Yeah, the ability for a composer to know when to just not even use music at all, mm. to me, is something that's really understated. And I really like that this show does it too, that he just he gets out of the way of certain scenes, uh, whereas there are some composers and some really good ones who you know, would have this score with, you know, horns blowing <laughs> really loudly when they shouldn't be. And I liked yeah. that. I like that it's kind of minimal. Yeah, certain composers, as all as I feel all composers should, um, the music either enhances the piece or it's a companion to the piece. You know, um, just take this as an example. Again, take it with a grain of salt, folks, because I know a lot of people don't like these movies, and that's fine. I like them. I don't give a crap. When Fast, when Furious 7 came out, Brian Tyler had been the composer on those films since, I think, um, the fourth one? I think since Fast and Furious. I know he did Fast 5 and 
six and seven. So um, I saw interviews with Brian Tyler, who is the composer on Furious Seven, and he said that the way that he approaches and the way that they wanted him to approach dealing with the music is that the sound effects and the music amplify each other. They enhance each other. So if you have a scene where an explosion is about to happen, he's going to go up high with his music. Or if there's a low tonal shift or a low point in the movie, a quiet moment, he'll add in quiet music. I think with the Breaking Bad music by Dave Porter, and I have not had, now that I have, now that I've seen these albums on iTunes, uh, after we get done with this, I'm going to do some previews on there to see, you know, what what kind of music it is. Because like you said, I, other, than the, other than the obvious main title and the obvious end title, I didn't really notice music in this at all. Other than like this, I'm talking about Dave Porter stuff. Oh yeah, I it's did a not super notice, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be a full-on background thing. It's not meant to enhance a character. Like you take Walt when he blew up Tuco's place. There is no ending crescendo piece of music as he's walking away. It's just all of the effects, yeah. you know, of the explosion of the, you know, the noises of the sirens and whatever else. There is no real music to, and it doesn't need it. And like you said, you know, having a composer just kind of step out of the way for just one little scene. But now, like I said, now that I see these. There's two albums. There's Volume 1 and Volume 2 from Dave Porter. There's also a third one, which is the actual soundtrack, which has some of the songs from some of the licensed music that was used. Me personally, I like seeing the the licensed stuff in the show. I like hearing it in the show, but I probably won't even pay any attention to that. But I want to pay attention to Dave Porter's stuff. No, I I highly recommend his soundtrack stuff. I really liked it. Um, it's not something you sit down and like, you know, uh, headbang to or something like that. <laughs> no, obviously it's not. It's not something no. you set out. But I mean, if you're doing yeah. something, it works really well to have sort of as background music or, yeah, Absolutely. it's just, it's, it's very much in the companion sort of area of scoring as in it's just sort of there, but you don't always notice it. It would be it'd be too easy for them, you know, Walt does something bad and you get the dun 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 style yeah. music or something. But no, they just decided not to do any of that stuff. And I really appreciate that. I uh there's nothing wrong with doing it the other way either. There's plenty of soundtracks and music I like. Like Steve Jablonski, I do not like the Michael Bay Transformers <laughs> movies. Uh, but Steve Jablonski's music is fantastic, and when I actually feel something aside from revulsion and sadness when I'm watching those movies, <laughs> it's because of his music that, yeah. you know, when Optimus yeah. Prime rolls in uh, to save everybody in that first movie, I remember that music really well. There's when the Autobots first come down, or... Uh, yeah, curse the first movie for actually being okay, and then everything after. Anyway... <sighs> that first movie is 10 years old this year. Oh, man, we should totally do a uh, retrospective of the Transformers movies. Uh, Although, having uh, said that, if you think I'm going to watch any of the sequels, you can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen. I've seen them all... Uh, have I ever... No, I've never sat down and watched uh, Revenge of the Fallen again. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen all of them the one time, actually. I've never gone back. 
I, you know, I, I agree with you with Jablonski. Um, you know, he does an amazing job on those movies. I think for me with those movies, the problem is Bay also wants the license pieces to enhance the film. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes um, they don't. <laughs> sometimes they don't. Uh, but, you know, I know everyone hates Age of Extinction, and that's fine. Everybody can hate the movie. I don't absolutely love that movie. But Jablonski's score mixed in with Imagine Dragons, that's amazing music right there. Oh, yeah, the music and everything. The fourth movie is very good. Again, mm -hmm. like the music yeah. is the best part of each of those movies. Uh, that's not saying much. I'm trying to be complimentary <laughs> to the music, though. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so Breaking Bad, season one. Um, I have a question. Folks, what would you rate oh, it? Zero to five. Let's see. Um, season I, one, yeah, and I, I feel like I'm generous when I say three and a half out of five. That's probably what I would go with. But it, like, there's part of me that I can see like five or six. There's something. Uh... Yeah. On a, okay, so I'll put this link in the show notes, folks, uh, over at the Geekcast Radio Network because that's where Remote Control first started. Uh, we have a universal rating system, or whatever you want to call it, and we do zero to five stars. With half points. So it's essentially like 0 to 10, but it's 0 to 5. If I was going to rate season 1, I would probably give it a 3 out of 5. It's not a bad rating. It's still, yeah. you know, it's. Well, like it's I said, like, I feel like I'm being generous at 3.5. And, yeah. and it's. And, like, I love this show, but the first season is. It's it's slow i mean you can tell the writers are trying to figure out you know some of the characters mm. and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't and they try a lot of stuff that doesn't work or that's and you can tell right. what doesn't work because they flat out just forget about it <laughs> yeah just like oh seen... yeah marie used to like to shoplift stuff should we ever mention that again no all right no. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, season two and three of Breaking Bad are both 13 episodes. Uh, season four, I believe, is also 13. Yeah, it's, I think all of the seasons past season one all got a 13 Yeah, it's all episode 13 uh, episode, okay. And then season five is 16 in the end. 16, okay, yeah. Which is not bad. Um, you know, and like I said... I am trying my best, and I think going forward, I won't have to bring up what I brought up in this podcast about the whole, you know, drugs being the only way you can support your family and this, that, and anything, because I've already talked about it here. Going Be forward, because either is a good option. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> That's a, a very bad misquote to Futurama, where uh, uh, somebody says to Ben, talks to Bender about good and evil, and he goes like, "Yeah, whatever. They're both good options." <laughs> um, so as we move forward, hopefully everyone enjoyed this. Uh, we will be doing seasons two through five at some point. I don't know exactly when, because um, as I said before, and I'm not 
at this point, I'm kind of excited and kind of dreading season two because season two is the one I remember the most being frustrated with because of the slowness of it. Well, it's weird because so, season two is probably the most uneven. I just talked about what I did with yeah. season one, but season two's got some issues. Mm. And what's weird is I'd say, still say it might be a better season overall, but like, man, it's got, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we'll um, get into it later. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get into that in, in a future episode. Um, coming up on Twig, we've got a bunch of stuff. The Return of Nerd News is coming uh, later in February. Uh, we've got we'll have some sort of topic show at the end of the month. Um, coming up on GCRN, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So head on over to geekcastradio.com and thisweekingeek.net. Uh, where can the people find you online, sir? Uh, at Nightbeat on Twitter is probably the best place. Alright, I am at TFU and Mike on Twitter, and uh, you can follow at Geekcast Radio and at This Week in Geek on Twitter as well. Uh, next time on Remote Control, I'm not sure what we're doing. I'd like to... I've done... I've started doing this thing. I've only done it once at this point. Um, a, bu- a buddy of mine, uh, Michael Powers, who used to do the lunch, the lunchroom podcast, the lunch table podcast, and he did off the cuff for us at GCRN. His TV rule is give a show five episodes, and if after that you don't like it, go ahead and you know axe it. So I started doing this thing called Take Five, and I started with my buddy DJ Valentine from uh, Simplistic Reviews, and we talked about the first five episodes of the Fox series Lethal Weapon. So I may be doing more of those with other new shows like um, Emerald City from NBC um, and a couple other ones. I don't know yet. Uh, I do know Remote Control. We're still going to do season passes. Uh, let us know, folks. You can either email you can email uh, feedback at geekcastradio.com or you can email me directly. Just put in the subject line, uh, Remote Control. It's tfgmike at gmail.com. And let us know what you thought about this episode. We will read emails on the air next time, if we get any. Uh, let us know how you felt about Breaking Bad Season 1 on the episode post. You can comment on either website. Uh, and we will catch you next time here on Remote Control. Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. 
Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port ins and finance agreements required. Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port ins and finance agreements required.